This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast that takes a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week we sit down with the newly minted all-time leading scorer in Bates women's basketball history, Megan Graff. Plus, the new Bates men's 60-meter dash record lasted all of one week. And the men's basketball team won a thriller over Tufts. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. Bates women's basketball senior captain Megan Graff surpassed Emily King and is now the all-time leading scorer in program history with 1,507 points and counting. She made the record-breaking bucket early in the second quarter Saturday at Tufts. Graff open for the record. Got it! Megan Graff, the all-time leading point scorer in Bates history. Soak it in, ladies and gentlemen. You just saw history live on JumboCast. What an amazing achievement that is. It just goes to show the tremendous impact she's had for this basketball program. And truly a special moment we've just witnessed here in Cousins. The Bobcats bow the Jumbos down to the wire, ultimately falling in overtime. Graf tallied a game-high 44 points in the contest, one shy of her career high. That combined with her 21 points on 9 of 11 shooting in a midweek win over UMaine Farmington, was enough for Graf to earn NESCAC Co-Player of the Week honors, a spot on D3Hoops.com's National Team of the Week, and the Player of the Week award from the Maine Women's Basketball Coaches Association. And Megan Graf is our female Bobcat of the Week. Well, Meg, I mean, all-time leading scorer in Bates women's basketball history. What does that kind of you know mean to you, you knowing this program's been around since the 60s? Yeah, it's a, definitely a, a great accomplishment. It's cool. Um, I th- some people, I think, are a bit more excited about it than I am, but <laughs> it's still a really great um, accomplishment and another milestone to definitely appreciate throughout my four years here. When you hit the three against Tufts, was there any sort of recognition within the arena? Did people, did you know what had happened? I didn't, I didn't know what that was going to be. Um, like, I don't really keep like track of how many points I have, yeah. but... Like, I shot the three, it went in. And, like, I I felt like it seemed like everyone was cheering a bit more than usual. And then I think the next time they called the timeout, um, there was an announcement acknowledging that that, was, that made me the all-time leading scorer. What did your teammates say to you about it? <laughs> um, I think everyone was just super fired up. I mean, it was such a great game to do it in, too. Um, and it was really cool. We had like a ton of Bates fans there. A lot of our alum were there. Um, so just a great like atmosphere and environment to accomplish that. And um, I think everyone was just super, super fired up. What a crazy game too. I mean, overtime, toughs on the road. Yeah. Um, overtime, unfortunately right now, seems to be a nemesis of both the women's and the men's team at the moment. But what were your thoughts on the kind of the game overall? Yeah, it was definitely such a great game. I like made a joke to a few people that they were lucky to watch it because it was just so back and forth. Definitely a tough loss, too. I think just, like, where we're at in conference, that would have been, like, a huge win to get under our belts. But, um, yeah, it was great. Like, over time, it was super back and forth. I think it's, like, hard to tell because of score, but also, like, free throws at the end. Um, But so back and forth. I think it could have gone either way, and unfortunately it just didn't go our way. 
Well, you're back home this weekend, right? That's got to feel nice. I mean, two pivotal games. What are your thoughts on Middlebury and Williams? Yeah. um, At this point, like, every game just is always super important, especially as we're in conference play. But, um, like, these these teams are great. They have some wins. Um, They have some big wins. I know uh, Williams just beat Middlebury last weekend. Um, So, we'll see. I think definitely winnable games for sure. I mean, I think we can beat anyone. Um, and it's obviously super exciting to be back in our gym. It feels like it's been a little bit. So. And then as a team as a whole, what are some you know points of emphasis to kind of take the next step? Because you're still you know you know one and three at the moment, but still very much in it. If you get a couple wins this weekend, obviously. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think like we've been playing super well. It's just like these games, these super close losses just show how small like the margin of error can Mm. be in these games so I think just being like super sharp in that sense um and at the end of the day just like hitting shots knocking down shots um and I think like when we're doing that it makes us a really tough team to beat how have you seen the first years develop? I mean, the first year guard, Sophie Spolter, had the assist on your three-pointer there. Yeah. And also Delario had another solid game, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the first years have been great. The practice games, they're working super hard. Um, and obviously, like, Sophie and Elsa were in that game a lot um, against Tufts on Saturday. And they're, they're in there in key minutes, and they hold their own. Um, and I think that's, like, a really great sign. It's tough, especially in close games, like – and still getting used to that, like, in-game experience. But I think they're holding their own super well. You mentioned other people maybe being more excited about the record than you are. Were you getting a lot of texts and stuff after the game? <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we don't, like, we don't have our phones on the bus. Right. Um, but I definitely got a bunch of texts from family, friends, old teammates. Um, so, yeah, it was really cool. Really, really cool, for sure. Great. Well, any other thoughts you wanted to share on maybe the season so far or, you know, some things about the season you'll get to come, I suppose? Um, I think just, like, making the most out of the next stretch. Like, obviously, we have limited games left, and they're all super important and high stake and just rising to that challenge and showing up every day. All right. Megan Graff, thanks so much, and congrats again. Thank you. In men's basketball, the Bobcats won both their games last week, starting with a 94-65 victory over UMaine Farmington on Tuesday, then... A huge NESCAC win over Tufts as the Bobcats rallied to defeat the Jumbos 67-63 on Saturday. First year, Elliot Kravitz turned in a pair of terrific performances, earning Maine co-Rookie of the Week honors. He poured in 15 points against UMF before following up with the best performance of his young collegiate career. 22 points on 8 of 16 shooting in the win over Tufts. And Elliot Kravitz is our male Bobcat of the Week. Elliot, um, it all came together, it seems like, against Tufts there, knocking down six three-pointers. What's that feeling like when you just – do you just know it's going in when you release it? I think there was a point there in the second half where I wasn't really thinking at all. I was just – before I caught it, I knew it was going up, and, it, yeah, it just felt good out of my hands every time, yeah. And what was it like to get that first NESCAC win of, of your career being a first year here? Yeah, yeah, I know. It felt great, I think, especially because we were right there with Con with and, and Hamilton and Amherst and – um, so to finally be on the other side of it versus Tufts was, was, was definitely a, a good feeling, yeah. And this first-year class seems like a lot of potential yourself, Peter Sihajis, Brady Coyne. The list goes on, even guys who aren't playing a ton like Omasambo and May and what they've been able to do. Tell me a little bit about this first-year class and how you guys are coming together. Yeah, I think it, since it's such a big class, we've um, really been able to bond a lot. And, and I think even like off the court, we just, we just 
like each other a lot and spend time together. And I think that that sort of stuff, I mean, with the whole team too, just, just translates to on the court and um, having four years to kind of um, mature together basketball-wise is – is, is going to be special, yeah. Now, one thing I've mentioned a lot of the broadcasts is that we have six players from Maine on the team. Then we have you. You're from Denver, Colorado. So how did Bates even get on your radar? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I have big uh, family family on the East Coast, um, so it wasn't too unfamiliar to me. And then um, my sister's at Tufts now, and parents went to Tufts, so it's sort of a NESCAC. Um, I had heard of the NESCAC, and I knew – I wanted to play basketball, maybe in the NASCAC, and then once I once I met Coach Furbush and the team, it, it just kind of clicked for me. Yeah. So all those tough connections, beating them must have been pretty special. Yeah. Oh, it was it was very special. Believe me, I uh, yeah, and in the the family, the loss felt pretty felt pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And so tell me a little bit about the scene of you know high school basketball scene in Denver. I don't know much about it really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think for being at Colorado Academy, it's a smaller school, so. Um, you know, the, the competition basketball-wise isn't as good as if I were to go to a, a bigger school. But I think, um, you know, there's still really good players out there. And I think um, after, like, going through the recruiting process, it's definitely um, harder being out west since I got to travel to sort of, um, you know, get seen by coaches. But, yeah, I think um, playing Colorado for so long um, – it's been good. Taught me a lot and, and had, had some good coaches. And yeah, it's yeah, been fun. It seems like you have a lot of family and friends who are really invested, really tuning in a lot. What's that like? Yeah, I know it's great. They'll always call me after games, and they all gather around the TV and listen to you, and they, they, they love it, yeah. And then, um, you know, just looking at, you know, the season so far, what have you noticed about maybe college basketball compared to what you experienced before? Everyone's bigger. Everyone's more physical, um, which is, you know, something I expected. And, um fast-paced and I think definitely that that big difference in college is is everyone can shoot the ball to a certain extent right like if if you give someone space they're going to knock it down especially once we once you start playing these these NESCAC teams I think we've seen that you know everyone's a college basketball player and they can play whereas in high school you know there's there's two or three good players on a team and and you you kind of keep your focus on them whereas um everyone can kind of play now and and I I think it was kind of an adjustment at first and now I think it's just really fun playing against good players and yeah excellent and then um this big weekend here you're at Middlebury and Williams two nationally ranked opponents so how excited for you for this challenge yeah no we're we're super psyched especially coming off a win I think um you know we're going in there with all the confidence in the world and like they said it's it's really nothing about them but all about what we can do and um yeah, we're feeling good. We're excited about it. One thing about you I noticed, obviously, you can knock down the three. We've seen that the last few games for sure. And then you also had that play where you're able to draw the foul on the drive. And is that part of your game you're working on, being more than just like a shooter per se? Yeah, yeah. I think I've definitely noticed, especially as the season's gone on, that, um, you know, once teams know that I can shoot the ball from outside, I think they're going to be closing harder. And, and so, you know, using the pump thing, getting inside is definitely something that I'm going to start to be utilizing, especially now the teams will – probably close out a little a little more yeah when did you first get into basketball growing up I mean a lot of people play you know youth basketball even I did even though I have no skills whatsoever <laughs> when did you start to like say hey I'm pretty good at this yeah I mean I I've been playing basketball since I could walk yeah. I've, I've been playing forever and um 
you know, it, it just I've just always loved the sport and had a passion for the sport and um, been been playing club and, and AAU since I was little and and I think I've always just wanted I just had this love for it and, and wanted to keep playing and it was never a question of oh do I like this anymore or am I kind of growing out of it and it was it was always um, yeah just this love that kind of never never went away from me yeah what's it like playing in this gym alumni gym and the fan support I mean it gets loud in here doesn't oh, it? oh it's it's amazing I love alumni yeah we we um, talk to to the team and they they always tell me that the atmosphere here you can't beat it I think some of those other schools uh, they've got the the nice facilities and the the big facilities, but they don't they don't pack it in like alumni. It's pretty it's it's pretty special for sure. Yeah, the other schools have like the bells and whistles, but exactly. this is like such a unique environment. Exactly. You, yeah. I love it. I love it. It's 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 awesome. Terrific. And then academically, how are you adjusting? You know, uh, to the college. Uh, obviously, Bay's pretty rigorous, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think, especially beginning of the first semester, finding that balance between um, between basketball and, and academics. But after those first few weeks, kind of getting into a into a rhythm and and um i think it's it's gotten a lot more comfortable now and, and adjusting to that yeah when alumni is right next to the library so oh, exactly yeah, it's no perfect yeah. alumni <laughs> library bounce back and forth every yeah. every few days exactly <laughs> exactly all right well, any other thoughts you wanted to share on you know the big week for you and you know being the main co-rookie of the week and having the success i mean do you feel a lot more confident now perhaps yeah i mean i think as a shooter like every every shot i take i think it's going in and yeah. of course it's, it's good to see them fall especially um and get that first NESCAC win but yeah I think that confidence has has been there and of course a game like that always helps but um yeah no I think great weekend but now it's done and we're looking to go get go get two more this weekend so yeah certainly big road test this weekend for the Bobcats Elliot Kravitz thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcats yeah thank you the men's track and field team took first place at the Bates Invitational last weekend and another program record fell in fact it was the same program record that fell last week as Derek Shen broke Colby Staken Pickering's newly minted mark in the 60-meter dash with an impressive time of 7.02 seconds. Shen joins the Bobcast to look back on his record-breaking performance. Well, Derek, first of all, let's talk about the race there, the Bates Invitational. Uh, you broke your teammate's record. Colby had it for a week, <laughs> and then you broke it. That was a big drop for you in time also. What's been the key to that drop in time here in recent weeks? So I'll be honest, I think it's the spikes. Okay. Yes, it's the shoes. Um, my first week, I um, I wore a different pair of spikes um, that actually Colby has too, but those didn't really fit me that well. They have this bubble on the bottom that bounces you up and gives you the energy when you when you hit the track, bounces you up and lets you um, get into your rhythm. But for me, as a new track and field sprinter, um, it didn't really fit my technique that well. I'm still learning how to run, how to sprint, so... Mm-hmm. Um, I went back to my oat spikes that I used last year and um, produced better results. Yeah, I was talking with Colby last week on the Bobcast, and he mentioned that you're a beast in the weight room. And uh, But, yeah, sprinting is new for you. So how what's been the biggest adjustment learning to become a sprinter these last couple of years? Biggest thing is the technique. Um, all of my teammates have been helping me out in terms of how to how to better how to better my form and, and run like a sprinter. Um, when I first came in, um, I sort of ran um, as what people would call uh, swimming. I would like swim to the finish line and wave my arms around. Um, that's really not efficient and conducive to a good time. So, technique is the biggest thing. And and my teammates, Reuven, Colby, Kevin, uh, Truman, they've all been helping me out. So, shout out to them. And what was your reaction when you saw that you had broken uh, Colby's week-old record? <laughs> very, 
it's very fast time and Kobe yeah. really set the standard high and um, I was very excited I um, jumped up and and sprints all the way back to the start line and, and fist pumped the, the the guy the ref who who blew the gun so very excited excellent and then um well you're from Bellevue Washington so coming to the East Coast what led you to Bates I rode four years in high school um, from Mount Baker rowing club in in South Seattle in the Mount Baker neighborhood and I was recruited for rowing um, to Bates and um, and I wanted to go to a small liberal arts school. Most of them are sort of concentrated on the East Coast um, and talked to the Bates coach. I actually came to a Bates rowing camp my junior year summer, oh. so that was a part of my decision too and really liked the environment here, so came here. And now you're on the track and field team. What prompted you to join track and field last season? Right, so um, sort of a long story, but I've been rowing for six years until my sophomore year, and when I came to college my freshman year, I had a back injury. Mm. I missed the whole year there, and then when I came back, it was COVID. Right. Um, training in my basement at home on the rowing machine for two hours, three hours on end, doing those um, erg pieces, erg workouts, was just sort of grueling. Um, at the end of the six years, I was like, I, I don't know why I'm rowing anymore. Mm. Um, I had lost a lot of motivation. So um, 2021, um, in the summer, I was watching the Summer Olympics, and I was very um, passionate about sprinting at the time because I was watching the Olympics. And I just told myself, I have to try this out. And like, when am I ever going to have this opportunity to sprint on an organized team ever again? So um, got in touch with the coach. Met, uh, I was already friends with some people on the team. So I made an easy transition. And Curtis Johnson, our head coach, obviously has a sprinter's background himself. So what have you kind of learned from him? And what do you talk with maybe him about when you wanted to join the team about what it would take? Yeah, Curtis was a 800-meter sprinter in, in um, college. And he was very excited for the prospects of me joining the team. And we just sort of talked about like the like the expectations to be on the team and you know what the season would look like. Um, you know, when I was talking to him, it was in the fall, and that was it's it's a nice time because it's off season. There were no strict limitations, no strict like training schedule or anything like that. So, um, sort of just the expectations and you know um, what I could benefit from joining the team and and everything like that. So. And then um, how do you see – I mean, you, you mentioned technique, but how mm -hmm. else have you kind of seen yourself develop from maybe your first race last year during indoor to now, sort of a full year? Yeah. Um, besides technique, um, I just have gained a lot more knowledge of, of how track works. Mm -hmm. um, before coming in, I, I just thought track is all about just running, throwing, and jumping. Um, it's pretty simple, but – you know, besides technique, there's a lot of um, mental um, aspects that go into the, the competition as well. Like, how do you prepare for a race? What do you eat? Like, what do you think about? Um, how, do you, how do you line up and, and, and how do you, like, finish a race? Um, this whole thing is, is very, very um, organized and, um, and lots of things go into it. So. You dabbled in the throws also, I saw last year. Uh, it looks like this year you might be focused on the sprints, though. Is that fair? Yeah, for sure. I dabbled in the, in the throws because I was friends with some of the throwers. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and they had just gotten a new coach, Coach uh, Danny Kalina. Um, I actually met him in the gym, um, talked to him a little bit, and everyone was like, oh, Derek, you should try out throwing, too. So I'm like, okay, along with sprinting. I actually sprinted last year, too, so yeah. throwing and sprinting. Um, tried out throwing. Uh, it was really fun, and I had a lot of fun with the guys on the team and, and the girls as well. But I think uh, it was a lot to balance because right. um, throwing, we have to do one-on-one -on -one sessions uh, like three, four times a, 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 a week and balance that with, uh, with sprinting as well as lifting after. It was a lot to balance, so um, this year I chose just to focus on sprinting. Your commitment in the weight room, is that because of your rowing background and the need for strength? 
Um, partly, yeah. but also I, I actually enjoy lifting a yeah. lot. Um, uh, I think I really got into lifting when I got to college, and um, and and it was actually difficult to balance with rowing. Rowing is actually eighty percent aerobic, mm. so you don't actually need to lift that much. Okay. But so. Um, it sort of created a conflict there with rowing mm-hmm. and lifting, and that's sort of part of the reason why I um, had a difficult time rowing as well. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I didn't, it requires a lot of strength, but in a different kind of way, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. And then uh, the sprinter group, uh, I was talking a little bit with Colby about this. What's this group kind of like? Yeah, the group is a very dynamic and a fun group. I think Kobe mentioned it being, you know, taking things light. Yeah. Um, we definitely take things light. We joke around every day. Uh, myself, Kobe, Kevin, Ruben, Truman, every everyone on that team. We um, we're very welcoming of, of new people on the team, um, and we uh, we we kind of establish a very very relaxed, laid back culture um, that, you know. Me being on a lot of organized teams um, growing up, I've never, never seen before. So it's it's great energy, great culture. So 7.02 seconds is now the record set by you. Mm-hmm. What's it going to take to get sub-7? <laughs> Honestly, I don't think um, it's that far away. Yeah. Um, my coach mentioned that in my prelim race, um, it was a sub-7 race. Mm-hmm. However, um, towards the end, I sort of turned my head around to, to look at um, – to look at Kobe next to me and, and sort of didn't sprint through the line. Um, so if had I threw it, sprinted through the line, uh, Coach Johnson uh, thought it, I could have broken seven. And so I, I don't think it's really not that far away. And same goes for Kobe and Kevin as well. Both, uh, all three of us can break seven, have the capability to. And um, and I think it'll be very exciting. What's it, what does it mean to you to like be part of this group that's kind of setting these new standards for Bates indoor track and field? Because obviously there's a long history here at Bates of great track athletes, and for you guys to be really the best sprinters we've had here, mm-hmm. um, it means a lot because it's it's you know when you're leaving something behind and you're, you're creating history. Um, Kobe's record wasn't broken for a decade for ten years, so that's huge. And and Bates has historically not had great sprinter and, and great sprinting program. We had great throwing programs and, and and other sides of track and field, but just not sprinting. So be able to put like put together a few really good short sprinters and, and make history means a lot. And you know, in the process making some um, good friends and, and creating some good friendships is, is really awesome too. So Great, great uh, experience all around. Excellent. Obviously, last year um, you were injured for outdoor, but uh, how, how much are you looking forward to also you know, being able to hopefully you know, compete outdoors as well and uh, maybe in the 100 and stuff like that, right? Very, very look, very excited to look forward to that. Um, last year I had a very difficult uh, overuse injury in the groin area mm. um, that really prevented me from, from running. But this year, especially with all of us improving our speed and, and stepping our game up a notch, we can put together a very exciting relay team. Obviously, I'm excited for the 100 meter um, individually, but at the end of the day, um, having been on team sports all my life, rowing, um, played a little basketball growing up, I really value that teamwork aspect. So putting together a 4x100 relay and doing well um, at NESCAX, even potentially having the opportunity to go uh, compete nationally is very exciting, and I can't wait for that to happen. Yeah, those relays are always a lot of fun, I'm sure. Absolutely. And then um, I guess the other question would be academically, what are you kind of studying here at Bates here? I'm um, studying economics um, and minor in philosophy. Excellent. And then what what prompted you kind of pursue those fields? Yeah, so um, took a few economics classes in, in high school. Um, was interested in, in sort of the, uh, the way how um, markets work and, and how people make their decisions uh, fiscally. 
Um, so I took a few classes here and really liked it. Um, and philosophy, I just thought, you know, it's good to balance something very quantitative, very objective with something more uh, subjective and improve your writing skills as well. Great. Yeah. I mean, and Corby, I believe, is studying math or physics or some. I think it was math. And mm-hmm. so I mean, economics have a lot of math involved also, right? At Bates, it's actually a, a Bachelor of Arts degree. Um, there are math involved. Interesting. Okay. But um, yeah. not as much, I would say, um, compared to maybe another school, uh, mm-hmm. some uh, non-liberal arts school. And definitely not as much math as Colby. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I believe Colby is a tutor in math, and, and, and he's, he's really a math wizard. Um, so can't compare to him. <laughs> gotcha. What are your thoughts you wanted to share on the Bates Invitational we haven't gotten to talk about yet? Besides you know, my performance, I would say my team had a really outstanding performance. The men's side, actually, we, we placed first. Yep. Um, that's very impressive, especially considering we're facing up against Division One competition, University of Maine. And my coach always says, you know, you, you guys are going to scare them so much that they they won't want to come back next year. So that's, super, that's always funny. And, and um, um, yeah, we had a really good team performance, um, a lot of PRs. Um, my, my teammate Kevin O'Connor actually qualified for New England's nice. championship. So that's, that's great. And uh, Colby had a really good 200. So it's just very exciting all around. In women's track and field, senior captain Abby Otterbein led the way, landing fourth on the Bates all-time performance list with her performance in the pentathlon Friday at Merrill Gym. Otterbein set personal records in the 60-meter hurdles, the shot put, the long jump, and the 800 meters, winning both the 800 and the shot put along the way. Um, The pentathlon was a really exciting meet on Friday night. It was a little unfortunate because on Thursday, uh, Livy, my other multi, tested positive for COVID, so she was not able to compete with me. Um, So it was a solo one for me, except I had three of the men also competing Friday night in the heptathlon. Um, so I was warming up on myself, trying to stay focused up on myself, um, which is a very difficult thing to do. Um, but I just tried to do my best in every single event, stay focused, and in between, reset. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure you had a lot of teammates there cheering you on, it seemed like, right? Yes, we had the most of the entire team was there, which was really good energy. It was nice to see everybody. It wasn't mean to have that support because you were, uh, that, uh, Friday night, of, of the women's team at least, you were the only Bobcat competing. <laughs> right, so most of the women were there, and same with the men's team now because yeah. we're under one coach, so right. that was really great. Is there any event that really stands out? Because there's obviously five of them, but which one really maybe stood out the most perhaps? The shot put, I think, stood mm-hmm. out for me because one of my goals this season was to break 11 meters. And I ended up doing 11.25, which also qualified me for New England's. Oh, great. So I'll be able to do the pentathlon and the shot put at New England's. Oh, excellent. Yeah, because this weekend, all you had to worry about was just the pentathlon. Uh, what was it like to be able to sit back on Saturday and watch all your teammates compete? It was really fun. Yeah, I was able to see probably almost all of the events, and I was able to help coach with uh, taking splits for the relays and just cheering on all my teammates. So, yeah, you won the shot put in the pentathlon. You also won the 800 meters. Um, you mentioned earlier you'd like to see video of the 800. What was what do you want to break down there on tape? <laughs> so I heard while you're running, it's hard to know where everyone is on else where everyone else is on the track. Um, so I could hear the you main coaches saying you can catch her, you can catch her. Obviously, talking to Emma White, the other my other competitor in the 800, and so. I would like to see how close she actually was to me because I actually I have no idea. And so gotcha, interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. What's it like going up against a Division One opponent like that? Um, it's really fun. I you obviously think Division One they're really good at every single event. So I I, I think I competed against her last year. I didn't really remember 
any of her statistics or anything, but yeah, it definitely gives you more motivation. And to become, I think I was only 60 points away from her top score, I think, which is pretty cool. Yeah, breaking uh, 3,000 points, right, in the pentathlon, right. fourth all time. So you're close to number one on the Bates <laughs> list. Um, what are some you know goals you have going forward this year in terms of you know training to try to maybe get there this year? So some of my goals are to definitely increase my – or maybe decrease my hurdle time, make it faster. Right. Um, and I also think I, I can do a lot better in the high jump. And on a bank track, I think with the 800 – I'll be able to get my time down. Yeah, when's your next chance to compete in pentathlon? It'll be February, sometime in February for the New England Championships. Oh, so you go right, so you go right to New England. Right. Okay. There is one at Bowdoin, but since I've qualified, I don't think I'll do it. I'll just practice my other events in between. Gotcha. So it'll kind of call, come down to New England in terms of you know hopefully qualifying for nationals, right? Is that a possibility? It's a possibility. Mm. My current standing right now in the nation is number eight in okay. D three. So I mean that can shift, right? For sure. So. We just, it's a waiting game, I guess, and I hope to improve a lot um, in the next time I compete it. How many do they take for pentathlon? I think it's 22 for women. 22, and you're eighth right now, but yes. people, maybe some haven't competed yet, perhaps, and stuff like right. that. So. All right, it'll be interesting, right? Uh, yeah. Definitely. Um, what's it like being one of the captains this year? It's really fun. Um, I like, on my sprint power group, It's I, my co-captains are Alice and Maddie, and then for the distance side, it's Jordan, um, Elizabeth, and Jill who are really great girls and it's really fun to compete with them. Yeah, and certainly I mean you don't you don't run cross country, right? But what was it like to watch um some of your track teammates do so well in cross country this year? It was awesome. Uh even the track team all goes to the the regional meet at Bowdoin, which mm. is a really fun time. It's great team bonding for our side and also um it's fun to be able to watch our team do so well. So I, I might have asked you this last time you were on the show, but um, assuming people don't have everything memorized, uh, what first made you interested in competing in you know multi-events like the pentathlon, the heptathlon and outdoors? I've always been a multi-sport athlete. Um, all of high school I did field hockey, basketball, and lacrosse. My senior year of high school I decided to quit basketball and join the track team to mm-hmm. stay in shape for lacrosse. And my main events were the 600 and the 1,000. And my coach saw that I could probably jump with my just multi-sport background. And so they put me in a pentathlon and it ended up being really fun for me. And so when I was talking to Coach Art during the recruiting process, I was like, well, do you have a multi-athlete availability or anything? And so that's, they kept me in it. Great. And then what's it been like, you know, developing throughout your time at Bates? You're a senior now. Um, what did you have to learn, you know, when you first maybe stepped on campus about what it's going to take to succeed and what do you kind of pass along to the, the first years now, perhaps? <laughs> uh, definitely time management. Mm. I know we have to have multiple practices a day. This morning I got up at 8 a.m. to throw the shot put, and then this afternoon we'll do some more sprint tech and hurdles and jumping and then lift and after that. And so it's definitely a lot of time management balance around your classes i feel like shot put of the five events i'm looking at here is maybe the most different because you have you have the running you have the jumping and then you have the throwing which is i imagine it's a totally different training regimen right how do you balance that as you just mentioned you know time management but also how do you balance the training um shot put's my favorite event so i kind of nice. biased towards it okay. <laughs> i i practice it twice a week mm-hmm. um and it's a lot about power technique strength so and I find I even this year I've made a lot of improvements in the weight room. Um, been working a lot on my technique with Coach Kalina, and I that is, has proven to be really beneficial. 
Great. So you're not going to be competing in a pentathlon again till New England. In the meantime, what events will you be thinking, you know, like this weekend, for instance, at, at the new track there or down in Boston, what are you going to be competing in? Um, I'll be competing in the long jump and the open 400. Okay. And then I think probably in the meets to follow, I'll maybe stay in the 400, probably some hurdles in there, definitely some high jump. So the 400 instead of maybe the 800, the 800 is part of the pentathlon, though, so why the 400, perhaps? I think the 400 just to see my speed mm. and a coach would like to see me in it. <laughs> oh, okay, score yeah. some points yeah. for the podcast, exactly. Well, in terms of the women's team in general, what are some maybe goals a team kind of has? You know, obviously it's a big team, lots of probably individual goals, but where are some things you're kind of looking together, you know, as a unit sort of? For the main state meet, I think our goal is to win that meet. Yeah. Last year, Colby beat us out by just a couple points. Mm. So I think if we can all come together, bring a lot of energy, I think we have a chance to win that meet again. Excellent. Well, any other thoughts you wanted to share about the uh, Bates Invitational, the pentathlon maybe specifically you haven't gone to talk about perhaps? Um, maybe not this weekend, but I'm really excited. There will be another pentathlon in February at Bowdoin, mm-hmm. where it's, um, Gianna, the fr- a new freshman multi, okay. and Livy should be competing at because they'll be able to do that for the first time this season to hopefully qualify for New England. And so when they compete, I'll hopefully be able to go watch them and support them, mentor them through that and have them by my side at New England as well. Yeah, because Livy last year, I mean, she was competing just right next to you, right, every meet basically, right? Yes. Yeah, and she's put some good scores also. So that'll be fun to see, certainly. Well, Abby, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast. I really appreciate it. Congrats again on being a fourth all-time here at Bates in the Vitathlon. Thank you. In men's squash, sophomore Alec Spiro was named the NESCAC Performer of the Week after he swept his opponents at the number one position from MIT. Middlebury, and Amherst. Spiro improved his overall record, the top spot in the lineup, to 7-5 and five this year. And the number 19 nationally ranked Bobcats are 9-4 and four on this season. Well, Alec, before we start talking about the Bobcats, I want to know a little bit about your background. Um, on our on your bio on our website, it talks about being ranked number one in the country on the U.S. national team. I guess that was in high school, or uh, what was that like? Uh, what was that process like to, you know, make the U.S. national team like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I started playing squash at a very young age, and... Uh... From the under 11 age groups, under 13 age groups, I was highly nationally ranked. I was uh, number one in the under 11 and under th- under 13 age categories, um, and I got a uh, couple couple times to got the chance to represent uh, the U.S. a couple times in the, during those times. So, did that involve international travel or? It did. I uh, yeah. we actually I went to one competition. It was called Battle of the Border, where we uh, go up against the Canadian national team. And uh, that was a that was a that was a lot of fun. Excellent. So, what first got you into the sport of squash? Because growing up, you were in Oregon, right? I mean, right. it's not necessarily known as a West Coast sport, right? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, squash is definitely concentrated in the East Coast. Um, my dad picked it up uh, in his twenties, and uh, yeah, we joined a uh, athletic club uh, when I was little. And yeah, my dad was the one who introduced me to the sport and uh, fell in love with it since I started. Yeah, what about it did you like um, the most, I guess? What made it something that you really wanted to commit to? Right, yeah. I loved the uh, the competitive nature of it, and I liked uh, the fact that it was an individual sport at the time. You know, it's kind of just you and your opponent in, in that box. And, um, yeah, those are the main reasons. You mentioned individual. I know there is doubles. Um, people do play. Have you ever played doubles? I have played doubles yeah. a few times. Uh, it's, uh, it's actually played on a different size court and mm. a different ball. Um, oh, different ball. Okay. Yeah, different ball too. Even um, I don't play that much doubles, but um, uh, it's definitely not as big as or as fun, in my <laughs> opinion, as as singles. 
Sure, and then uh, you know, being from the West Coast, obviously you're looking to play squash in college, I imagine. Right. Um, so most of those are East Coast schools. So what brought you to Bates specifically, though? Yeah, um, I definitely wanted to go to a smaller, uh, smaller college. Um, I was looking at a lot of the other NESCAC schools, um, and yeah, that was that was pretty much my uh, my main main criteria. Um, and yeah, I did a lot of visits, and I just thought. Bates was the best fit for me. And then obviously being, you know, at the number one spot this year and I think number two last year. Mm-hmm. So you get to play a lot of times on that glass court we have. Yep. What's that fun, what's that playing like there compared to maybe a, a different court? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Having the glass court is uh it's a it's a lot of fun and it's a great opportunity to be there. And it's also considered to having we considered to have an advantage of having that court because a lot of uh other programs, especially uh, other NESCAC squash programs, don't actually have a glass court. So when they come to uh, when they come to our house, they uh, might be thrown off a bit. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's it's a lot of fun playing on that on that court. Does it play differently than a standard squash court in terms of you know I don't know anything? <laughs> yeah, it definitely it's definitely quicker. The ball mm. ball uh, travels off the wall a little bit faster. Um, those are the main differences. Um, yeah, mostly just the speed of the of how the speed of the ball and things like that. So this year you're playing number one, so you get to play everyone's best opponent, right. best competition. So what's that experience been like so far for you this year? Yeah, it's been a great experience um, playing against the best players from each uh, each school. It's a whole other competition, and um, uh, I really like the challenge. Um, yeah, it's been great. You're on a roll right now, personally. You've won three straight matches by three nothing counts. So, yeah. what's been really clicking for you? You think? Yeah, I think um, I think a lot of things have been clicking. Um, I think mostly uh, just the little things, you know, just taking care of my body and doing the right things that I can to make sure I'm 100% going into each each match. And uh, and just from a confidence standpoint. Um, I think you know after building up a couple wins and some good performances, it's that's uh, that's been driving me to further success. And you mentioned um, you know growing up, obviously squash is an individual sport. Now at Bates, and I've talked to other squash players about this. Is yeah, it's totally different when you're in college. Now all of a sudden you're on a team. So what's totally. the, that team dynamic been like for you so far? Yeah, it's been great. Um, yeah, like you said, you know, been in high school and before high school, it's always been individual. Um, and now it's you're not just playing for yourself; you're playing for uh, the other guys on the team as well. And um, it doesn't doesn't just take you to win the whole match. You know, you need uh, you need five to win. So um, it's been a great experience, and I, lo- I love the team aspect of it. And I've just noticed, you know, this year the Bobcats nine and four as a team. Uh, Sultan Hashmi was playing number nine. I think he's only lost one match all season. Yep. I mean, what's it like seeing guys like him have so much success? You know, helping out the team like that. Yeah, he's been a he's been an absolute rock at number nine, uh, winning a lot of matches. Um, he's, yeah, he's only lost once or twice, and um, it's uh, it's great to have such a great player. You know, towards the bottom of the lineup because it adds so much depth uh, to our lineup, and you know, a lot of our wins this season has come come from success you know from five through nine six through nine spots so they deserve just as much credit as as people playing on top of the lineup so you got two matches i think left before the NESCAC tournament yes, right sir. so colby obviously we're talking on tuesday tomorrow and then tufts will be a big one right because yep. they're ranked i think a little bit ahead of you right now so yep. a win there might move you up a bit right yeah that's correct yeah two big games uh two NESCAC, uh schools so those results will uh 
definitely depict our seedings in the at uh, Nescacs in in the two three weeks. So um, yeah, big games. Tufts is uh, ranked ahead of us. So um, yeah, these are these are must win games for the rest of the season. It seems like this year. I mean, even the matches you've won, even though some of the matches maybe as a team you've fallen a little bit short, every match has been really close, basically. Yeah. What's it like having all these, like, maybe not necessarily 5-4, but, you know, 6-3 with some really close matches there mixed in? Yeah, totally. Yeah, there's, uh, that happens all the time, you know. We yeah. can, uh, we'll lose or win 7-2, but then a lot of guys have five setters, yeah. so it could go either way. Um, yeah, and I'd also like to note that, uh, you know, watching some of the other guys play is... Uh, Sometimes more nerve-wracking than actually <laughs> playing yourself, um, but yeah, yeah, we've had a lot of lot of uh, games where they could have gone either way. Um, but you know, that's that's part of the sport. Playing at number one position, not all the time, but sometimes you'll be the last one, right? right. And so, what's it like, kind of waiting for your match to st- get started? Mm-hmm. Is there a lot of tension there? Yeah, there is some yeah. tension sometimes, <laughs> especially if uh, you know if it's three three or four four, and mm-hmm. you know you're the deciding match. Um, yeah, it's definitely pretty nerve wracking, but um, you know we we've been through this before and uh, and we have experience doing this, so we have uh, no problem when when we come to those situations. Certainly. Well, any other thoughts you wanted to share, kind of on the season so far? Obviously, a, a lot of success for the Bobcats, and a chance to you know make some noise in the NESCAC tournament coming up, perhaps. Right. Well, I just think it's important to say that you know even though this regular season's almost over, we have NESCACs and nationals coming up, so those are those are the two tournaments where, you know, it really matters. Not saying that regular season doesn't matter, but um, we'll get a chance to play a lot of the, some of the schools that we've lost to and or that we just played to at NASCACs or Nationals. So, um, yeah, we'll be ready. Yeah, a chance for some rematches there. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Looking forward to it. All right, Alex Spiro, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcats. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. In other Bates Athletics news, only the Nordic skiing teams were in action at the relocated St. Michael's Carnival over the weekend at Middlebury, with the women and men combining for ninth place. Both Nordic and Alpine skiing returned to action this weekend when they compete at the UNH Carnival. Looking ahead, the squash teams are home Wednesday and Sunday when they take on Colby and Tufts, respectively. And the women's basketball team is finally back home this Friday and Saturday for huge NESCAC games against Middlebury and Williams. Find the complete schedule and all the latest Bates Athletics news at GoBatesBobcats.com. And we'll catch you next time on the Bates Bobcast.